Well, does anyone know who this is here in, in this picture? Uh, this is Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay. Might ring a bell for, for a few of you. Being an avid outdoorsman myself, uh, I knew immediately that I had no idea who those guys were. I am not an outdoorsman, by the way. I love the outdoors. Uh, as long as I'm in the indoors by the end of the day where there is cable TV, Wi-Fi, and a heated blankie, can I get a witness up in here? And yes, I did say blankie, and I'm completely secure in that. Edmund Hillary was a mountain climber, explorer from New Zealand, Tenzing Norgay, a Sherpa from Nepal, and together on May 29th, 1953, they were the two first recorded people to reach the summit of Mount Everest. Summit of Mount Everest. Here's a, here's a picture of them at the summit of Mount Everest. An incredible, incredible accomplishment. Sixty years later, Hillary was interviewed about that accomplishment. And when he was asked in the interview about how many people it took to accomplish this mission, I was blown away. There was actually 13 other Westerners on the expedition. There was 30 high-altitude Sherpas that went along with them as well. So 43 other people to help to reach the top, but it didn't stop there. There was actually 600 other men over the course of 17 days that carried all the supplies up to the Everest region and supported this mission. Hillary said, and I quote, it's on the screens, altogether, I suppose you could say that almost 700 men were involved in one way or another. It was a team expedition. The two men who reached the summit are completely dependent on the combined effort of all those who never got seen. And can I say the exact same thing is true in God's kingdom? especially in God's church. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here. But, but while I might be the lead pastor and while this might be the culmination of today's events, I am completely dependent on the combined effort of a team of incredible volunteers who may never get seen or recognized. So can we just take a moment here and honor all of our volunteers today? Yes, awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, volunteers, for what you do. You are absolutely unbelievable. For everyone who's here today, including everyone participating with us on video, I'm so glad that all of you are here today. We're in a sermon series called Fences, Living Beyond the Boundaries. What does it look like to live beyond, even tear down boundaries we have created in life that keep us from living in the wide open expanse of life that God has for us, what Jesus called life to the fullest. Back to our Everest explorers for a second. I mean, to be the first two people to ever reach the summit of Everest, 29,092 feet, that is absolutely incredible. It is impressive, to say the least. Uh, I've got to admit, I was pretty impressed with myself. I felt pretty accomplished when I reached the summit of, of Pikes Peak down in Colorado Springs. I mean, it, it is risky to step out of that train that takes you all the way to the top. I didn't want to spill my coffee, you know. I was impressed with, with myself. But for real, 
Climbing Everest? Unbelievable. And that quote that Edmund Hillary gave continues to stand out to me. That the men who reach the summit are completely dependent on the combined effort of all those who never got seen. I can't think of a, of a better description of God's church than that quote. The person who, who vacuums the floors throughout the week or cleans the bathrooms, preparing the building for our arrival. The, the person who makes the coffee before anyone is here, who, who sets out the, the parking cones and signs. The person who runs the graphics and, and videos in, in a back room that no one ever even sees. The safety team making sure our building and people are secure. The, the office volunteers that come in throughout the week doing a variety of, of things. The usher and greeters and living room volunteers, the prayer team members, the, the, the servants in fusion or e-kids, the small group leaders. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. That the one person in this pulpit is completely dependent on all those who never get seen. Even today, I'm not physically in the room at any service. We are utilizing video preaching today in every one of our services, preparing for the addition of our fourth worship experience coming up on Sunday, October 14th, where we are going to use uh, video preaching for at least one service every Sunday, which by the way, on Sunday, October 14th, we are not only adding a fourth worship experience, but we're starting a brand new sermon series that I am super excited about called My Declaration, A Challenge for Men to Rise Up. This sermon series, as I've been telling you, is built around a book that I'll be releasing in the series that's targeted towards men, yes, but all of us are gonna be challenged and inspired through this series, regardless of what our gender is. There's some invite cards available for you uh, out at the back doors on your way out today. So I encourage you to pick one or several of these up. Use one to remind you of the new service times and to invite someone to come with you. It's gonna be an awesome sermon series. Our new service times are on the screen. Don't forget 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. That's the different services in the morning. Our 6 p.m. Sunday night church remains the same. Back to today. Even though I'm not physically in the room today, there will be 15 to 1,600 people that are going to be served with the love and mercy and grace of Jesus because several hundred of you will be stepping outside the boundaries, stepping outside the fences in your life, utilizing your gifts and talents and abilities and availabilities that God gave you to serve other people in their life today. Did you know that you have a spiritual gift within you? That even if you don't believe in God, which that's, that's your choice to make, and I'm thrilled that you're here today. Even if you don't believe in God, I believe God's already placed a spiritual gift in you. That gift may not come fully alive until Jesus lives in your heart through faith, but that gift is there just waiting to be used for God's good and for God's glory. Romans 12, verse 6, we are told this in the New Testament portion of the Bible. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things 
well. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. I don't have time to dissect all the spiritual gifts and, and how they can be used. There's, there's several passages in the Bible that list spiritual gifts, places online that can help you discover what your gifts are, but I'm not even going to show you a list of spiritual gifts. I'm not going to point you to a spiritual gifts test that you can take, and, and here's why. I think sometimes we can take a spiritual gifts test or we see a list of gifts, we discover what our gifts are, and that can all be, be helpful, but it's, it's very easy to allow the knowledge of what gifts we have to keep us from being used in the church where God's already placed us. Woo, started preaching right there. It's easy for us to allow the knowledge of what gifts we have to keep us from being used in the church where God's already placed us. For instance, whenever I take a spiritual gifts test, my highest gift is always prophecy. Not, not the foretelling of the future, but the foretelling of God's truth. That's, that's prophecy, communicating the truth of God's word in and to a specific time and place and people. It's my highest gift is prophecy. My lowest gift every time is mercy. I once scored a zero on a spiritual gifts test in mercy. I'm starting to make sense to a lot of you in the, in the room today. So, so as a pastor, I may not have the spiritual gift of mercy. It may not come naturally to me, but there's times in my ministry I need to be merciful. Like how horrible for me if someone in our church needed me to serve them in their time of need or tragedy, and I just said, oh, sorry, that's not my spiritual gift. If you want me to preach a sermon to you, I, I can, but I can't show you mercy. While mercy may not be my spiritual gift, it is still my spiritual obligation to show mercy as God provides the opportunity. That's what I mean when I say the knowledge of what gifts we have can actually keep us from being used in the church where God's already placed us. So here is the big idea then based on that. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. Having spiritual gifts won't matter until I know the right things about the gifts. We all have spiritual gifts, but having them won't matter. They're, they're useless unless I understand, I know the right things about the gifts. So for clarification's sake, I think we have to ask and answer this big question. What should I know about spiritual gifts? What should I know about spiritual gifts? The main scripture is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there. It'll all be on the screens as well. And if you don't own your own Bible, we'll give you one for free today. Stop by guest services. We'll get you a Bible free of charge. Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And God, through Peter, wrote this letter here to a group of people that lived in what is now modern-day Turkey, Christians who were gathering together all across modern-day Turkey. And Peter starts out by saying this, 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 7, says this. The end of the world is coming soon. 
Which, by the way, that ties right into our message from two weeks ago about making the most of every opportunity. That our time is, is limited, whether it's the end of my life or the end of the world when Christ returns, we don't have unlimited time. So Peter said the end of the world's coming soon, therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Last week we talked about how Jesus lived beyond the boundaries with his prayers and how we can as well. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins, which I love how this fits into the first week of our series, as we talked about what it looks like to show God's love to the world around us. Cheerfully, it says, share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. And now I just lost all the introverts in the room. And now verse 10. This is really the meat of the subject here. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them, your gifts, to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. Having spiritual gifts won't matter until I know the right things about the gifts. So the first thing I see, it's right here in this passage. What should I know? Number one is this, they aren't for me. My gifts, your gifts, they aren't for me. They're not for you. Peter said, use your gifts to serve one another well. And who was Peter talking to? He was talking to the church, to Christians who were gathered together like this on a weekly basis all over modern day Turkey to worship God and grow together in his word. Use your gifts well, he said, to serve one another. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. I read the first part of this earlier, but the whole verse says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. That the gifts are not for me. But on a much deeper level, not only are our gifts meant to serve others, but every single gift and every act of service matters. In fact, sometimes the acts of service that seem least significant in the church can actually have the most impact. 1 Corinthians 12, the whole chapter is about spiritual gifts. Verse 22, the Apostle Paul says this, in fact, some parts of the body, he's talking about the church, the body of Christ, some parts of the church that seem weakest and least important are actually the what? the most necessary. Some parts that seem least important are the most necessary. This goes right along with one of our core values here. It matters that no matter what you do in the church, it matters just the same for the church. I think sometimes we, we look at the church and we say things like, maybe not out loud, but to ourselves, well, the pulpit is more valuable than the parking lot. But could it be that it's actually the other way around? Two weeks ago, out in the lobby, 
one of our regular attenders approached me and began to tell me a story of how they invited a friend of theirs to come to Element for the very first time, and, and they came and checked out our church. And this first-time guest was telling their friend how blown away they were by our church. But the thing was, they weren't blown away by the sermon. They said that. Thanks a lot. They weren't blown away by the worship or the building. The thing they were blown away most by was our parking team. They actually said, when I, when I showed up and pulled on the parking lot, someone was right there waving at me, saying, hey, welcome to Elma Church. Then someone else directed them right into a parking spot, so they didn't have to, have to ask or wonder where they were going. They got out of their car, and they said a parking member greeted them, say, we're so glad you're here, and pointed them to the main entrance doors. They got to the main entrance doors, and someone opened the door for them and greeted them, welcome to Element Church. And this first-time guest told their friend, before I ever stepped foot in the church, I knew this was the place for me. I have never felt so welcomed before in my life. Now listen, listen. I'm pretty sure the people who are serving on the parking team don't have the spiritual gift of parking cars. They're just serving in God's church where they were needed the most. And that to me is the greatest act of spiritual gifts there is. Simply being a servant in God's house. Jesus said, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of everyone else. Don't let where you're gifted keep you from being a gift to someone else in God's church. That's good. Don't let where you're gifted keep you from being a gift to someone else in the church. I would challenge all of us, all of us, regardless of what your gift is, be a gift in the church somewhere. Whatever church you find yourself in, whatever church God has placed you, if, if this is your church home, serve the church. Be a part of the body of Christ. And listen, you don't have to. You don't. You don't. If you don't serve here, we will love and serve you just the same. I just fully believe, I believe this, we won't be whole as a church and you won't be whole as a Christian until you use your gifts to serve in God's church. Having spiritual gifts won't matter until I know the right things about the gifts. So what should I know? They're, they're not for me. They're not for me. They're for the church. Number two is this, they aren't from me. The gifts aren't from me. Now when I say they aren't from me, I am talking about more than just the source of the gift, although that is true as well. 1 Corinthians 12 verse four, says this, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. That, that the same spirit is the source of all the gifts. God is the source of our gifts, yes, but when I say they aren't from me, I'm more so referring to the strength to use our gifts, the power to live them out. 
1 Peter 4, the first part of verse 11, God through Peter says this, back to our main scripture, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that who? That God supplies. All the strength and energy that God supplies. I think our children's pastor here at Elements, a perfect example of these first two points. Pastor John came to us through our residency program, and the plan was to kind of learn and serve here for about two years and then move on into a full-time ministry in some other church that God provided. But 10 months into his residency here, God opened an opportunity that, that none of us saw coming, including John, for him to step into the pastor role in our e-kids ministry, and he hasn't looked back since. Now, by his own admission... If you ask John, kids' ministry was never really a, a gift of his. It wasn't his, his passion to begin with. I, I've never seen John's spiritual gift test results, but just by knowing him, I can kind of peg his spiritual gift. He, he, is, he is gifted in mercy and administration and shepherding. Those are all spiritual gifts. So if you just took the results of his spiritual gifts test, I'm pretty sure the end result would not recommend him to be a kid's pastor at a church, yet John is thriving in that role right now. Why? Well, first of all, he didn't let his gifts stand in the way of his serving God here in the church. He was open to another role and opportunity. Second of all, because he was willing to surrender to that role and what was needed in the church... God was willing to give him all the strength and energy he needed to serve in that role. And he does the same for you as well, no matter what your gift is and no matter where you serve the church. Peter said, what gift do you have? Or in other words, what place do you serve? Do it with all the strength that God supplies. He is the source and he is the strength of our gifts and our serving. So when we serve with that right spirit in our hearts, God will give us all the strength that we need. Having spiritual gifts won't matter until I know the right things about those gifts. So what should I know about spiritual gifts? Well, they're not for me. Therefore, God, his church, and for people to be served. They're not from me. Now, I don't have the strength and energy to do what God's called me to do. I need his strength and his energy in my life. And then Peter said this, the last part of verse 11. Then, or, or in other words, when you understand that gifts aren't for me, when I understand that gifts aren't from me, then... Everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So the third thing I see here that I think is the, maybe the most important part of spiritual gifts to live them out. Number three is this. They shouldn't fuel me. Spiritual gifts should not fuel me. 
So they aren't for me. They're not from me. They shouldn't fuel me. And here's, what I, here's what I mean by that. One of the dangers of spiritual gifts is we can start seeking specific gifts instead of seeking the giver of the gifts, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. That if I will seek the giver of the gifts, he will give me the gifts that he wants me to have. There's also times that we seek certain positions in the church or we seek certain positions in the kingdom of God instead of just seeking and serving people regardless of what position that is. I think sometimes we, we feel like as Christians, well, if I just could serve in that role or if I just could do what they get to do, then... But if the gifts aren't for me, and if they're not from me, then they also shouldn't fuel me. It shouldn't be what drives me. Peter said, when you understand that these gifts aren't for us, they're not from us, and when we don't seek them to fuel us, then everything we do can bring glory and honor and praise to Jesus. That really is the ultimate goal, church. That what I do would bring glory and honor and praise to our God. If I use my gifts for anything else, the glory and honor and praise is for me. I want to be fueled by my gifts. But if I recognize they're not for me, they're not from me, and I'm not fueled by it, the end result is glory and honor and praise to God. A couple of weeks ago, one of our pastors sent me this picture here of a young lady named Brooke. She's a part of Element Church. Brooke's 12 years old. She's the one there in the middle in the purple shirt. And this was taken while she was downtown serving some of the homeless population in our community through the One Reach and All for One groups that we have here at Element. And this, this picture, it blew me away when I saw it. Here she is, just showing one of the homeless ladies something in Scripture completely living outside her boundary, outside her fence of comfortability. And whether Brooke realized it or not, she was modeling for me and she was modeling for us what it means that spiritual gifts aren't for me. She was just simply serving the person that was in front of her, showing her some scripture for her life. She was revealing these gifts aren't from me. Do you know how much strength it takes to sit down and show someone something in Scripture, especially as a 12-year-old? She was showing that gifts shouldn't fuel me. I mean, Brooke didn't know a picture was being taken. She didn't know she was going to be a sermon illustration on this Sunday. She was doing this for the glory and honor and praise of her God. So Brooke... I don't know what service you're in today. I don't know what service you're attending. But I just want you to know that you taught your old pastor something about spiritual gifts. You reminded me, Brooke, and you're reminding our whole church right now that gifts aren't for me, they aren't from me, and they shouldn't fuel me. So keep it up. You are literally leading the way, Brooke. You're leading the way.
So what's next? What's next for you? I don't know what it is. If you're here today and you call Element Church your home, I think if you are not currently volunteering, which by the way, we've already mentioned the incredible volunteers we have, but if you're currently not being a servant in the house of God, I can tell you right now, that is your next step. And on your seats, there are some volunteer information cards. You heard about them earlier during our welcome time. I would encourage you to, to fill that out and stop by the volunteer table out in the lobby and start getting connected into serving in God's church. There may not be a place right now where you feel like, you know, I'm gifted in this area, but they don't have that need right now. That might happen, but just serve where there's a need. Serve where there's a need. Why? Because spiritual gifts aren't for me. They aren't from me. And they shouldn't fuel me. So get connected, I pray. We're, we're adding a fourth service in two weeks. It's all hands on deck, church. It's all hands on deck. Like, like imagine if there was uh, an emergency. There was an emergency over in our kids' area, and we just need people to help rescue children from the kids' area. We're not going to stop and wonder what the gifts are, are we? We're all going to jump in and do our, our part. So as, as we're adding this fourth service, as we're trying to rescue people from darkness and bring them into light, it's all hands on deck. And I want you to join the team. But you might also say, I, God, God could never use me. I mean, even if I do have a spiritual gift, God could never use me. You don't know what I've done, Pastor Jeff. You don't know my sin. And you're right, I don't. But I do know that Peter, the one who wrote our main scripture, Peter, on the night that Jesus was arrested and eventually killed for our sins, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus, his closest friend. He denied he even knew him three different times. He completely betrayed Jesus. Paul, we call him the Apostle Paul. The other scriptures we read were all from this guy named Paul. Paul was actually a murderer of Christians. He killed people who believed in Jesus because he hated Jesus so much, but Jesus chose Paul to be one of his main messengers to spread the gospel around the world. So I don't know what your sin is, but I know Jesus used Peter and Jesus used Paul so Jesus can use you too. If you don't know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. It's just a simple prayer between you and the, and the Father. If you want to receive Christ as your Savior to forgive you of your sins, to make your spiritual gift come fully alive, would you pray this prayer with me? Just pray it silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died in my place and he rose from the dead. So Jesus, I give you me. Please forgive all of my sins. Everything I've ever done, I give it to you. Wash me clean and make me new. Come into my heart, Jesus. Live in me. I don't deserve you, but I receive you into my life. I want to use my gifts for your kingdom. So would you awaken the gift that you've given me? Would you help me to live my life following you? Thank you for loving me, Jesus. I will do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen.